Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Coming Together, a series on understanding the social dynamics of Singapore and facilitating dialogue between locals and foreigners on various topics from current affairs to social norms. This series is in collaboration with the WhiteHatters.sg, a local NGO that seeks to foster greater understanding and integration between the communities in Singapore. My name is Rindo, and the topic for today is integration. Joining me here is Shahrani Hassan, Suhail MD, Melissa Fitzgerald, and Xian Bang. Let's do a quick round of uh, introductions, and I'll start with myself. Uh, I'm Rindo. I'm, uh, I'm from India. I've been living here for 10 years. And while I'm an IT professional by day, I am the host of the podcast Living It Up in Lion City. And I'm also a comic artist who goes by the name Charsu Samosa on Instagram. Over to you, Shahrani. Hi, I'm Shahrani. Um, usually known as the connector because I try to communicate people and communities together. Uh, founder of the White Hatters.sg, which is basically a local NGO that focuses on issues that underpin the state of social cohesion in Singapore. And we also look to promote responsible advocacy and activism. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Suhail. I am a freelance writer, former journalist, and I focus on issues of race, religion, and social cohesion. So, have you joined all of you for the conversation today? Looking forward to it. Thank you. Hi, everyone. So, my name is Melissa. I'm a freelance writer as well as a content and community manager. So, my day job is energy reporting. So, this is very different. So I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm actually from San Francisco. I've been here three years in Singapore. Um, I write about a wide array of topics, lifestyle, energy reporting, like I mentioned, and also racism. Um, I've also written for online publications like Honeycombers, BuzzFeed, to name a few. I've written a child's play, children's play, and also most recently a book. So I'm also the token white girl, so thanks for inviting me, guys. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shim Pang. Uh, I'm a photographer. I'm mainly focused on portraiture, but I do have a bunch of work that is based around, like, Social, social work, yeah, related photography. Okay, thanks, Shanbang, and welcome everyone. And I'm so glad that I'm able to have this conversation with you guys. Um, so let's set the the context. Um, this is the year 2021. Um, we are in the midst of an unprecedented medical and economic crisis that is stressing um, Singapore and the rest of the world in more ways than one. Uh, one of the more important conversations that's been happening in Singapore recently over the last couple of years has been about um, the presence of foreigners and concerns and questions about integration. So to get this d dialogue started, um, I did ask a bunch, uh, I asked you guys to um, write down a couple of points on what you think integration and what integration means to you. So uh, perhaps I could start with what I think integration is in three points that I made. So I'm just going to pull up my, I hope you guys can see this. Uh, right. Okay. So point one is um, understand uh, norms. Um, point two is friendship. And point three is don't poke local pride. So those are the points that I, th that I feel integration, you know, I, I, those are the key characteristics for, about integration for me. Uh, what about you guys? Um, so I had written down respect, harmony, and listen. Um, and basically, I thought the idea behind the respecting is just everyone deserves respect. 
Um, no matter what you look like, who you are, um, you deserve respect unless you're like a serial killer or what have you. And then, then maybe not. But for the most part, I think everyone deserves respect and should have it. Um, harmony. Um, I think it's important that as much as possible, we do try to be um, a harmonious community um, and a society. So I think that everyone should just be allowed to live the way that they want to live, really. And, you know, somehow we come together as a community. And then listen, um, I don't think that, I think it's a highly undervalued um, tool. And I think that a lot more of us should try to do better when it comes to listening to other cultures and different people's backgrounds and what have you. I think we learn a lot more. So those are my three. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. All right, um, I'll go. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, so um, the three words I have are individual, community, and diversity, right? Um, I, when I think of integration, I think that integration fails if we lose a sense of ourselves. So I think my individual identity is very important. I don't want to lose it to some greater, you know, um, and just become like one a, a, a mesh with everyone else, right? I'd like to retain my autonomy and be myself. Um, but community, because, you know, we can't just be purely individual, right? There has to be something greater also. And uh, I think that's one of the aims of integration, to have a, like, a cohesive, kind of a harmonious society, as, as Melissa was mentioning just now, right? Um, so as much as individuals are important, but, you know, at the end of the day, we are able to function as individuals because of a wider community, right? And the third point is actually uh, diversity. So diversity is, you know, so it's not just about allowing me to be an individual or allowing various communities, but also to celebrate and accept that there are a lot of diversity, right? So even within a, a certain communal group, there will be a lot of different sorts of diversities within the group, so on and so yeah. forth. So I feel like these three things ought to be respected, and um, it's what I think of when I think of integration. Thanks for that, Sohail. Uh, okay, so the three words I've picked is connection, cultural understanding, and communication. Um, yeah, because the these three C's I find very important, especially the fact that cultural understanding is such a it's such an important part because I feel that most misunderstanding comes out because you know. A difference in culture made us um, a bit more hostile. Um, communication is another one where, I mean, the fact that we have to have some level of communication to be able to understand each other. Yeah. And, you know, having a connection, just being able to meet one another, that's, that's the most important point where you really can learn from each other. I agree. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Shangbang. Um, Jahrani, do you want to... Can you see in? it? Okay, so it's understanding, tolerance, and acceptance, yeah. So basically, I think um, it's in, yeah. we should always be guided by the fact that it's important to seek to understand rather than be understood first. Um, and of course, with understanding, there comes tolerance and eventually acceptance. I don't think we're there yet, and that's why we need to have um, conversations, ongoing conversations on issues that affect social cohesion. And I think being a cosmopolitan um, city-state as Singapore, um, I think integration is going to be an ongoing hot topic um, in good times and in bad, particularly in bad times like right now. Yeah. Yep, yep. No, I agree with you. 
Um, no, so thanks for all of those uh, opinions, um, everyone. I think uh, I'm sensing some common themes here. Uh, number one of you know community and um, communication. So these these two aspects seems to be the key facets for any sort of cultural integration. Um, so I think all of us are pretty aligned in that respect from what I'm seeing and what you guys have been talking about. So that's actually pretty good. Um, I was kind of sometimes when I've had conversations with friends about integration, I feel like the definitions, you know, uh, vary. And of course, it is subjective as they should be. Um, but at the same time, sometimes we feel like we're talking about two different things. So, um, and I believe this is probably one of the reasons why it's so controversial today. Like, and I'd like your thoughts on this, guys. Like, why do you think the topic of integration is so controversial? Like, what's, what's triggered it and what's been going on? And why is it what it is today? Um, I think particularly now when the economy is um, is is so bad, when we're in, actually in a crisis, um, the loss of job, the loss of livelihood um, becomes of utmost importance. And I think the presence of foreigners um, tend to paint the picture that foreigners are here and they're taking away our jobs. So that's why there's always this resentment. Um, and uh, particularly now, uh, because of the pandemic, um, there's a lot of well, a lot of people have lost their job, uh, businesses are closed, um, and um, there is this sense of nationalism, and we are seeing it a lot in the West, and it's um, we can also see it a lot in Asia too. Um, and it could be a cause for concern um, if we don't manage it well. Uh, that's why I think um, the effort towards integration, it has to be ongoing, um, starting with dialogues and, and how we can reach out to the various communities. Uh, on that note, I think it's very important also to remind ourselves that integration is a two-way street. Um, while we do expect um, non-Singaporeans to actually integrate in the local community um, as Singaporeans, we must also be more welcoming to the non-Singaporeans. Uh, we can't expect uh, or demand for them to integrate without reciprocating. Um, and uh, I think we're seeing a lot of that. You can just go to various uh, online forums and there's a lot of um, um, vitriol. Uh, it's kind of scary sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as, as part of that, you know, as part of research over the last couple of years, you know, for the podcast, I've been lurking on all of these forums and honestly, it can get pretty soul crushing. Um, the negativity can really get you down. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, does anyone else want to pitch in? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think identity is one of the main reasons why there are integration issues, not just here but anywhere. Um, but especially in Singapore, is the fact that we don't really have um, like a single identity. It's not tied to race. It's not tied to language. It's not tied to because we are so mixed, right? It's a bit hard to, and because Singapore is so young, there's no, there's the culture is, the culture history is not as long as say U.S. and other countries. So, for a lot of people, that sense of, um, it's a bit like, people are a bit confused with their own identity sometimes here. So, that feeling of. Um, that's why like anything that is 
different anything that is foreign just feels very it feels for a lot of them for a lot of singaporeans it feels like it's an attack yeah interesting with that way could, could i just ask shenbang like uh, many said yeah. we don't have a single identity um, could you give an example of uh countries which are diverse and have an identity uh, like a strong I think, identity okay. i think i think us is a pretty clear example you have people from so many different races and culture like different ethnicities but they all identify as american but singapore is a bit how do i say we have singaporeans from various ethnicities but Singaporeans still don't see them as there are some Singaporeans that still don't see them as Singaporeans. So that's um, it's a bit tricky, yeah. Uh, but Shagunbrag, may I ask is this uh, are are those Singaporeans the exception or the norm? I would say there are exceptions. Yeah, but you know the loud but the voices are always the loudest, you know. Right. But there are plenty of Americans who don't see a lot of a lot of Americans as Americans. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So when you say the American identity, what is the American identity? Pop culture, music. <laughs> I mean, we we have a token American here, so. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Right here. <laughs> that's okay. I'm learning. <laughs> so Melissa, what's your take on the conversation? Yeah. No, I think that with regards to that, I think integration is challenging in any country, and I think that um, it's maybe easy to look at a different country and say that they're doing a great job but there's so many things looking back at you know the the marches that we had um during the whole trump situation where he really allowed for racism to kind of take its hold around the country which was really scary um, that was one of the reasons why i left but i think in general here i think that when i first moved here and bringing it back to singapore is i felt that it was harmonious i i guess i thought that um you know just being new here and seeing things like the the great museum you guys have here that's like um i forget the name of it it's like harmony and races or what have you and cultures um you have a museum that's like um basically associated with that but in general when i was here i just really didn't see any racism i guess at first and i know that also that's part of my white privilege i understand that but i think it's like a bit swept under the rug a bit more and it's kind of risen since i've been here the longer i've been here i i do see a lot more things that i didn't really notice before um so that's been interesting. Like, I remember when I was looking for apartments and we had uh, looked in the bomb shelter and the gentleman showing me around was like, oh, this is where the helper sleeps. Ha ha ha. And I was like, oh, like, I thought it was a joke and he was serious. And I was just like, wait, in that steel like container? That's so things like that, where I just didn't really think about it at the time. And the more that I've been here, I have seen a little bit more of that to where I'm like, oh, OK, it's just like not really talked about. And now it is, which is great. That's why we're here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing, Melissa. Sorry, yeah. Um, the reason why I I, I asked you about, I, mean, I wasn't trying to like you know just zoom in on on you, but the the idea of Singaporean identity is something that I've been struggling with. Um, I, I identify as Singaporean, right? But what I mean is that when I ask my friends and myself what is Singaporean, no one can pin it down, and then we'll give an example of a foreign country. And then when we ask friends from the country, what does it mean to be, you know, uh, Malaysian or to be Indian, right? They can't pin it down either. There is no, like, you know, it, you can't pin it down. Um, 
But here's the thing, right? Everyone sort of feels it. We kind of sense it. That, hey, you know, this person's Singaporean, right? Especially when you go overseas. Um, and I like to, like, just... That's why I like to just provoke that idea a bit more. Would we have xenophobia if the Singaporean identity was not there in the first place? Right? How can I say that these foreigners are not part of us when I don't know who I am? There has to be some sort of, you know, bouncing point, right? Some sort of contrast for me to say that they are not us. If you don't know us, we can't have a date. So I think part of xenophobia is because the Singapore identity is getting stronger and solidifying even more. Now the question is, what's the content of that identity? And I think that's where the issues come in, right? Um, so, so for me, like, uh, unfortunately, during COVID, when, especially when the Delta variant hit, we realized that, oh, you know, maybe for some Singaporeans, the idea of Singaporeanness does not envelop as many Indians as you'd like because of the anti-Indian sentiments, right? Um, just even during the National Day Rally, PM Lee was talking about the national um, athlete, Indian athlete, Singaporean Indian, who sadly came out on the banner. And people are wondering, you know, are they even Singaporean? Uh, but that's not a question that was asked of the Chinese family, right? No one asked whether that Chinese family is from the PRC. Although, you know, um, there, is, there are a lot of uh, new citizens from PRC as well, right? So I guess, for me, the issue is not so much about the Singaporean identity, whether there is or is not, but it's more like what is the content of it. So, which is why I feel like the point of integration, um, I think back to Rindo's earlier point about why it's becoming an issue, is because I think in some places, that integration means you become like us wholesale. There can be no difference, right? Um, but I think that's where the, the idea of integration fails, because you don't want people to lose their sense of Yeah. So, so th those are just like some initial thoughts. So, um, Sohail, about your points around having a stronger national identity kind of sets the, uh, you know, tone for xenophobia or rather discomfort over the presence of foreigners. I mean, are those things mutually exclusive, though? You know, no, being I mean, welcoming to foreigners and also having a strong sense of identity. They are not mutually exclusive. Um, the reason I made that point was in response to the point that, you know, we don't, we might not have a clear identity. But uh, what I'm saying is that if there was no clear identity, there wouldn't be us and them, right? You wouldn't be able to distinguish them. So, right. having said that, then my next point was, you know, what is the content of that Singaporean identity? So that's where, Rindo, your, your question comes in. You know, is it mutually exclusive? Well, it doesn't have to be, right? If we include that sense of, you know, openness, and that sense of um, of community within the idea of the Singaporean identity, right? So no, I don't think it can, it, it can be. It has to be mutually exclusive. In fact, I the, I I like to think that because Singapore is a younger nation than you know a lot of the other countries in the world, um, we are able to actually form this in our foundation and bake it in even stronger than some of the older, uh, for lack of better term, civilizational. Um, nation states like India or China, right? Or Japan. Yeah. So so I actually think um yeah, I totally agree with you. It's not mutually exclusive. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, uh, you know, as as uh, a keen follower of online rhetoric, um <laughs> I, I I tend to find a lot of conversations around integration um interesting. Um I think the the bars to integrate are often, you know, um, ever-changing. The goalposts shift all the time. 
the pressure to integrate, you know, waxes and wanes, depending on, you know, whatever domestic or political pressures, you know, are at play. Um, the the controversy around integration is specifically around foreigners, and from what I understand, is that um, I think a significant chunk of Singaporeans feel that foreigners are benefiting from the system in ways that Singaporeans are not. So, personally, I see that there is a strong economic incentive to um, have lesser numbers of foreigners in the country. So, and I feel like that's the overarching theme around the discomfort. So in that background, is integration really a magic bullet to anything? So if I could maybe provide some examples, probably some flippant ones, but um, I know that there's a lot of conversations around, um, and I see this in speeches and stuff, it's like, you know, learn Singlish, try durians, and these are all things that I do and I love. Um, but at the same time, if I'm seen to be in a position of privilege, if I'm seen to be, you know, living an affluent life, life you know, at the expense of uh, locals, do these, you know, points of integration really matter? Are you saying then, Rindo, do you think if we even do those things, do you feel like they're just not going to be enough, like regardless, perhaps? I mean, that could be one way to take it. I think for me, I had a really different experience when I first moved here to where I was um, at a job where I was only surrounded by Singaporeans. So I was like a fish out of water, which was a great experience for me. Um, everyone was either speaking like Malay or um, Mandarin. And it was kind of lonely at first, but then I got used to it. And I especially had a great relationship with, I'll call them my work wife and my work husband, which were like my um, buddies at work that would take me around and we'd have Singaporean food together all the time. They'd tell me the best hawker centers to go to. So I had a very different experience, I guess, than my other friends that are in the expat group that I hang out with sometimes. Whereas they say they, they really didn't have that. I almost feel like we should have like a Singaporean ambassador for every expat that comes here, a foreigner, to where you have like a buddy and you're paired up and that's kind of maybe part of the way that you understand the culture um, and then you could speak to that because I felt like they didn't really have, some of my friends don't really have experiences like this to where they could say like, oh, it sounds like you've had such a wonderful experience that I really haven't gotten to know that many Singaporean people um, because maybe our the things that we like to do aren't aligned or what have you, or maybe they have a family, they don't want to get, go to happy hour, whatever it is. Um, but I think that it's just, if you have to make an effort, and I think that that goes without saying for everybody across the board. That's kind of like my thought process, just make an effort. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you, Melissa. So I think this is a fairly, you know, common trope across expat circles where, you know, especially when you first move here, I think, you know, you want to have your priorities uh, set first. Number one, you know, finding a place to stay, you know, focusing on jobs, figuring out, you know, settling down. And, you know, uh, the, all of these, you know, uh, steps that you have to take before you think about trying to, you know, uh, expand your circle so to speak so and this is a journey that i've gone through i remember i think the first three months it was just a constant process of trying to you know get my bearings and stuff i think there was also the intense loneliness so i think that was a huge motivator for me to knock on every door join up for everything you know just so that i can make friends uh, i remember the early contacts that i've made you know looked at me as desperate but i was like <laughs> i'll take it you know <laughs> because <laughs> you know so loneliness was my motivator so and i I do believe this is the case for a lot of expats who, while they do feel this need, you know, to connect with, with locals, 
um, there are often significant barriers, mostly by way of time and effort. Um, there needs to be some way to you know make that easier, and I agree with you on this. But um, I will perhaps you know take a step back and also look at the larger conversation around whether integration I integration is important and i agree with everyone here on this but is integration as uh, is it going to cre uh, is, does it have as big an influence in the current state of affairs as we think it does and i think that's that's what i want to really uh, dive deep into well um i agree it's not a magic bullet Definitely not. Uh, in fact, uh, as you mentioned, the economic problems persist. And a part of me, and this is not something that is spoken about online often, um, I've not written about it, is that I think if there were no foreigners and the economic crisis persists, then you'll just find another people, right? Some minority group or some, the minority, I don't mean someone who is even, I don't even mean like a, a racial minority or whatever. It may even be like the elite minority. Right. In terms of, I mean, minority in the demographic sense. Um, yeah. So there'll always be some sort of scapegoat if there are certain conditions in society that are not met. Right. Um, so yeah. Bottom line, no. It is not a magic bullet. Right. Likewise, likewise, the economy going well is also not a magic bullet. Right. Ah, uh, then you have issues of inequality. Right. Which is what gave rise to, you know, um, like. If you to talk about the median income, if you talk about the economic indicators of the average Singaporean, it has increased vastly since the 80s, 70s, right? Um, inequality is greater, but the bottom line, the absolute poor are gone. We do have poor people here, but the absolute poor, I wouldn't say they're gone, but they're, you know, it, it's far less than it used to be, right? Um, so those issues are gone economic-wise, but we still have issues of social cohesion. So different challenges will come up. Uh, and I think uh, what I definitely like 100% agree with you, Rindo, is that there is, we cannot have a magic bullet mindset, right? Um, there is no one solution. There are a lot of factors that we gotta we gotta look at. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with you. Um, uh, Shanbang, any thoughts on this? Uh, I remember we had a conversation about this a couple of days ago or a couple of years. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like what he said, integration isn't a magic bullet but it's it does make things a lot easier especially when i mean look at singapore we are a global city you have people from every nearly everywhere coming here to work and live so you can't really ignore the fact that um you don't want to integrate it's it's going to happen whether you like it or not <laughs> And for people here, it's all about how to manage it. It's, yeah, it's all about management. You want part, people on both sides to be relatively happy. That's, that's the hardest part. It isn't about like making sure one side or the other is better, but making sure the voices on both sides are kind of level-headed. Yeah. Well, I mean, Shanvag, I mean, that's, I mean, in an ideal world, yes. Uh, but, you know, we also live in an environment where, you know, the, the polarizing voices get the most airtime. The polarizing well, voices yeah, are the it. ones that I, influence dialogue. I feel that the integration here is so much better than um, 
so many other places that I've seen or heard because um, it's, it's never gotten to the point where it's really really bad like say 50 years or 60 years ago when we had racial riots you know that's a thing of the past now yeah okay okay that's and we fair. do have my my minor issues but it's never to the point where it becomes an issue on ethnic lines yeah on racial lines yeah um well in terms I of mean, integration it's yeah pretty okay balanced yeah there have been some incidents here and there which yeah. have been quite disturbing yeah. um yes. But uh, yeah, no. I hope that you know it's, it's not it's not a part of an emerging trend. Um, okay, okay. So I, I think if if we're could, yeah. I, could, could I just challenge it a bit? I'm sorry. Um, I definitely agree. We don't have the retriers that we did 50 years ago, right? Uh, but we didn't have Indians being bitten up because of a virus 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry. So yeah. if you're going to compare, right? I mean, I can say 300 years ago we didn't have retriers at all, right? So, so it's it's all very relative. Um, okay, my last point was just uh, kind of a, I was just kind of pulling your leg. But um, essentially, yeah, I, I think although I do agree, I'd rather deal with our set of problems in Singapore right now than the more challenging sort that wouldn't be there if you not if you did not have that baseline of of uh, social consensus on multiculturalism and racial harmony, so on and so forth. So that I definitely agree with. What I just wanted to challenge is that you know, um, yes, there are issues. Although I guess I take issue with the idea of like it's a minor thing, yeah. But that does just to, to clarify on my end. No, thanks for that point, uh, uh, Sohail. I mean, it's important to clarify that. Um, I'd like to maybe take a step back and uh, you know go around to talking about prevalent notions of, of expats in the foreigner communities in general, especially in Singapore. So in this call, there's uh, myself and Melissa who are foreigners. Um, and, uh, you know, we do read a lot of what's going on. And as much as I'd like to say that the comments on social media are that of a vocal minority, they are an influential one. And they are influencing discourse both um, on the ground and in parliament. So one of the more, you know, uh, prevalent notions of, of expats is that they're not integrating enough. And I understand it, especially if, you know, if every those who move around in expat circles do see folks who are not in the least um, interested in, you know, integrating and whatnot. But I really want to get a sense of what percentage do you think, um, what percentage of expats do you think are not integrating? I, I think it's very important to get that sense of proportion. So, um, Shanbang, so hey, like in, in your uh, subjective um, experiences, um, do you feel that expats are, you know, integrating, not integrating as a norm or an exception? Do you want to go first? Yeah. <laughs> I need to think about that a bit. Um, well, I'll just say what's on my mind, um, like what I'm thinking to rather than just staying silent. Um, so, first thing. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> no, because I'm thinking through it, um, and I thought I'd just say it out loud. So, so uh, I'm thinking out loud. It's not a foolish thought. Um, so, so basically, first of all, the idea of the expat, right? What is an expatriate? Um, you know, uh, are we talking about employment pass holders and above? Are we talking about PRs? Well, PRs are considered residents um, in Singapore. They're not citizens, unquote, um, but they're residents. Do we consider them expats? 
Um, it's a very vague term, right? And historically, the, the expatriate community is referred to generally as Westerners, right? Um, and by Westerners, we mean like uh, fair skin, white skin. Uh, you then call an African, you know, who's earning the top part. They don't figure in your imagination as the expatriate in Singapore, right? Uh, globally too. Uh, and when we talk about um, the expat, well, plenty of, you know, PRs, become citizen um, every year, right? The, so if you take expatriate broadly to mean the professional class of workers from overseas have integrated into Singapore, well, yeah, well, a lot of uh, PRC expats have integrated, so they have a lot of Indian expats, right? The population, the birth rate of the Indians and the Chinese community has been below replacement level significantly since the 80s, yet the absolute population of that, those groups have increased. Right, that is obviously being expert, you know, um, supplemented by foreigners previously. Right, they were formerly from PRC or India, and they have become Singaporean. You know, you don't see that. So there is a significant level of, of integration there, right? Um, and here's the catch about integration: once they have integrated, you don't feel it, right? You don't feel like there's an outsider. So your eyes yeah. are always caught on those who have not integrated. Right, so I can't give a percentage. Um, I'm sure some. I hope someone in the civil service has some sort of percentage. Um, that said, uh, there are groups of foreigners here who will never be able to integrate integrate by design. Right, foreign workers, um, migrant domestic yeah. workers. There's significant chunk of our population. We're talking about over a million. That's twenty percent of the island. Right, them definitely not in the imagination of expatriate. Uh, they'll never be. In fact, if they even try to think roots by law, they will have to leave the country. Like. What do I mean by that? They can't set up a family here, right? Um, but these are conditions, you know, that they have, they are known beforehand. So every time we talk about foreigners and the expatriate community, we we gotta clarify this. Yeah, but no, in okay. terms of percentage, I think I think the majority do integrate. It's just that we don't notice it because they become part of. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you here because as part of this, you know, as part of this whole process, I've been talking to a lot of my friends, you know, who are foreigners, and I think a lot of them are actually quite, uh, you know, sad because of the conversation because you know to them they have largely integrated and yet they have to constantly, you know, reveal the fact that they're foreigners and you know bring up those the kinds of things, so it becomes a bit you know difficult, um, and about the. Uh, the, the nature of how foreign domestic workers and how migrant workers in the construction industry work. Yeah, there is, um, you know, uh, there are policies by design that uh, discourage them from being part of, you know, regular, uh, the regular population, regular discourse mm -hmm. even. And that's unfortunate. So uh, in your opinion, Suhail, do you think that there are certain class considerations uh, when it comes to conversations about integration from the population like by this i mean um do a lot of the angry local comments online feel that integration should work differently for different classes of people um that's a very good question part of the problem i feel and this is a very personal opinion uh, on discussing issues publicly in singapore on social cohesion we don't have a very good understanding of class right we we sense it but we can't articulate it so we don't have a language for it and it comes out in various ways um that said uh yes i think a lot of it is, is the idea of this globalized elite right who are taking away our jobs 
who don't who see Singapore as a stepping stone to another place. Uh, so they're here to reap the benefits of the hard work of me and my ancestors, right? But they're not here to, you know, contribute. For example, uh, you would hear anecdotal, um, not recently, recently not so much. I think about eight to ten years ago, I heard it more frequently about um, NUS and our local universities, NUS, NTU, SMU, what have you, um, granting scholarships to uh, top students from Asia, right, like India and China, but these students coming here, um, apparently, and I'm not sure how true this is, so this has to be checked out, but, you know, they, they basically serve, get the scholarship and then they leave, and, you know, they move on to greener pastures, uh, and they don't have to serve national service for you guys, right, so on and so forth. So it feels like there's an exception for this class of people um, that the locals do not get. So a lot of these issues do come into play. Yeah, so class definitely has a factor, but we don't have the language to articulate it. So you don't hear it explicitly phrased that way. So right. I'll say yes. Now, interesting viewpoints, and I've heard this uh, from a number of people before, too. So, you know, so we talked about integration and the common themes of integration at the start of this conversation were about um, communication and community. So it's about, you know, friendship and, you know, talking to each other and, you know, understanding each other's culture and stuff. But from what you talked about, uh, you know, earlier about, you know, uh, the stepping stone and folks kind of taking advantage of the system and leaving and stuff. So is there a need for integration to also include some sort of contribution from foreigners, uh, be it economic, be it cultural, be it, you know, something? Do you think that contribution is also a key part of integration? Um, so with regards to integration, integration, I think it's also interesting to like, what does that mean to everybody? Because I think that when we think of integration, it is that we are part of the culture, we're part of the community and what have you. But if you are from a different culture, maybe don't speak a language that another group speaks, like what does that look like, right? So for me, I think integration just looks like becoming as part of the culture as you can in the community. So I think that one of the things that you had mentioned, Renaud, it is kind of disheartening when you see things about, uh, you know, and maybe they are behaving badly, and I'd say that that's probably the 20% of the expat population, probably less than that, but you, as you said, it's always polarizing, and that's the, what gets the airtime, right? But I think that it's unfortunate that that's what people see when that's really not my experience, and I actually have a lot of pride in living here. When I talk to my friends back home, I say how much I love it here, this is why. Um, I've had friends that have stayed here that think it's an amazing place to live. So I think that when we think of integration, like what does that look like? I think that, yeah, maybe there should be a cultural aspect to where we are, we work on a project like this, or we do something else. We, whatever our talents are, that somehow it culturally or somehow enhances Singapore's culture in general, right? So I think that that would be one thing. Um, I think the other thing is that, you know, when you, this is not my house, this is your house, this is Singapore. So you have to understand that there are different social norms. And I think that just coming into a new culture that you have to have your eyes wide open and to accept that you're not where you like grew up. You are in a different like country, you're in a different area. So, you know, just be um, understanding of that and, and the same vice versa to where the other person who sees somebody that doesn't look like them, oh, maybe they're from somebody else and that's how they do it there, that kind of thing. But I think um, to your point overall, yeah, I think why, why not? Why not have the people that are coming from different countries somehow beyond just their work that they're doing, maybe community service, whatever. There could be different things that we could all do to kind of just, again, kind of intensify the culture here with 
or not intensified, but bring our culture here or do something that actually will benefit Singapore just beyond like the workforce. Especially with all those expat wives, which is another common misconception. (laughs) I'm an expat wife, but I still work. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks for that, Melissa. Um, On on the topic of, you know, sharing cultural practices and stuff, there's a lot of conversation about that too, um, which Mm -hmm. is around, you know, importing cultural practices, which a lot of people are uncomfortable with. So, um, you know, as as part of this, I've been trying to look at what we're actually looking for is it integration or assimilation because those are two different things integration vague as it is has some sort of you know back and forth uh, cultural exchange so to speak that's going on versus assimilation which is about being mindful of everything that exists and kind of you know finding your place in it so in the larger context of integration today and talking about integration in singapore today um what do people actually want is it integration or is it assimilation i think people here want um, assimilation but they don't understand the difference or they um yeah they misunderstand and they mix them up so they think that what they want is actually integration but it's actually in their heart what they are looking for is assimilation yeah okay okay i was hoping that would not be the answer but um (laughs) no no but i kind of understand it right because i think there are some stressors that are there are external stressors that cause people to want to you know hold on um to a lot of things and if there is an if there is a bunch of people who are not you know following those norms it can be you know hard to stomach and swallow so um if I were to ask uh, a friend who is from abroad and were to move to Singapore, what would be the the bits of advice that I would give her? You know, it, would it be about integration or would it be about, you know, be mindful of local customs and just make sure you don't rock the boat? Yeah, I would say, I would say, yeah. Um, I think most people would try to warn the other party about like especially the laws in Singapore right because if you are foreign you don't know certain aspects maybe and then that's where the miscommunication and misunderstanding comes in okay okay um and, and any thoughts uh, Melissa so hail um if if we were to talk about advice to to foreigners moving here uh what would be some key things to you know let them know. Don't chew gum. No, I think it's it's important to look at those things before. You, so I did a ton of research. I had like, I think a year before I moved here. So I was able to do a lot of research. And I think just do that. Just go online. That's why we have the internet. Go online, find out like whatever. Because we do have some funny laws, like you had mentioned, like the walking... Um, naked, I guess. Like if you're walking in front in your own house, you could get arrested if somebody sees you and calls or it find not arrested find. Um, but, um, in general, I think just research and just be open-minded, look into the different cultures. We're super diverse here. I hope you love like food, spicy food, which I do. So, um, but I think also just, uh, depending upon the person, just maybe remind them to always be respectful. Um, no matter what situation they're in, unless somebody's accosting them, which doesn't happen here, luckily. Um, 
yeah, I think that would be my advice. Just do some research. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Melissa. So I think my advice would... I don't actually remember giving my friends advice when they moved here, foreign friends. Um, unless I know that they like to take recreational stuff. <laughs> that would be like, okay. you know, even if you have done it before you come to Singapore, if it stays in your body and you get tested, then you know, it's still liable. Um, but I don't have many friends like that. Uh, yeah, generally, I think once my like foreign friends come in and they just hang around for a while, they more or less know how to go about things. Um, as personally, I think Singapore is one of the easiest countries in Asia to just, you know, make it like, just to like, you know, blend in, you know, it's, um, whether you're talking about language, culture, um, you don't feel like you stand out, you know, when you go to anywhere, in, you know, in most of the major sports in Singapore, you don't stand out for being different, uh, for being foreign, right? Um, if so on and so forth. Uh, what I would, what I am noticing in recent months during COVID, uh, foreigners that they've hit the news are usually for flouting, uh, a lot of social norms and basically the laws that everyone else is sacrificing for, especially during COVID, right? And I remember we had the some of the bars opening. Um, and although it was, you know, we, we now know that, you know, lots of locals were also frequenting other bars or KTV bars. Uh, the fact that it's a foreigner that just, you know, stares up more in your face, right? Um, and of course you have, uh, we have uh, most recently the Breton who, who was, you know, as a sovereign citizen, uh, claims to be and so on and so forth. So you have these wacky ideas. Yeah, but those are, I would say those are the exceptions. So I wouldn't really warn my friends about anything in particular. Just, uh, just, just don't be an asshole, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that's a cardinal rule that we should all live by. And yeah. I, I thought that was a given, but clearly that yeah, isn't clearly for not. a lot of people. Some people yeah. <laughs> I was like, please don't be an American. Please don't be an American. <laughs> but yeah, that happened. It's just like, I mean, just, yeah, why? Why are you acting that way? Like you said, yeah. just don't be an asshole. Like, that's, a, that's somebody we need to put off into another island. He needs to go somewhere else. Like... And yeah. this is just anywhere. Just have respect for yourself, for the people around you. Um, but to your point, it was really funny. When I first moved here, I thought that I would be like a fish out of water, that I wouldn't necessarily blend in at all, that I'd be standing out. And I still have those moments. But for the most part, it really hasn't been a challenge, I would say. Like, it hasn't... I never felt really oddly uncomfortable for the most part. Um, yeah, it's just... And I remember, too, when it was really funny. Somebody was chatting with me. I just met... Um, we were having drinks and uh, I had ended up speaking with a Singaporean lady um, and she had mentioned, oh, you just moved here. That's great. Have you ever heard of the term that, because um, she was Singaporean, she was saying that uh, people call it Asian light or Asia light. Yep. Have you ever yep. heard that before? Yep. Yeah. And I was just like, well, what does that mean? She's just like, it's just an easy community to basically blend into, to, to kind of, to put it to our terminology, integrate into, because it is just so multicultural and accepting and what have you and I was like oh that's I've never heard that term is that term like considered derogatory or is it a good term uh depends on who you ask uh okay. and depends who's talking about it so Asia light you know especially in the mid 2000s and early 2010s it was very much geared towards you know expats who are moving here and the context was that oh it's you know it's not going to be too much of a shock um if you were to move to let's say other countries you know 
Um, so the idea was that it's an English-speaking country. You know, it has like all of the amenities that you'd come to expect from a fairly cosmopolitan urban society, and that was the you know uh, origin and intent. Over time, I think a lot of folks have seen this as you know a diluted Asia, which uh, and a lot of locals understandably so feel like, what are you talking about? I mean, are, are you saying that you know Singapore has no culture? Which is another thing that I hear constantly in expat circles, and I strongly disagree with it. Um, and so, yeah. So once again, Melissa, it depends on who you ask. Um, if if someone you know uh, welcoming into the country, it's it's positive. If somebody talks about in a bar with no context, yeah. <laughs> <They're not. laughs> well, I'll, I'll never describe Singapore's Asia life. Um, I, I don't find it authentic, personally. Uh, and like Windows said, I think it depends on the context. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure that Singaporeans will see that as, uh, as like, you know, oh, great, we are Asia life, you know, like it's, we are advanced. But that presupposes uh, a backward Asia. That's the implicit thing there, right? Which yep. is where the the idea, the negative, um, stereotypical ideas, racist ideas come in. Uh, and oftentimes, when I hear foreigners, um, particularly expats, saying Singapore has no culture, uh, so I, I I don't understand, right? Like, what do they exactly mean? Can you tell them to go to a hawker center. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just a culture that talks to your liking. Just admit that, right? You yeah. just you don't like it. That's all. That doesn't mean we have no culture. Right. Um, yeah, there's, and... there's actually a really big conversation about why that's the case. So it's like a lot of, you know, tourists generally tend to stick around, you know, the central business district and the main tourist areas uh, and often don't get to see like, you know, outside of those spaces. So and of course, there's also a whole bunch of folks who come to Asia expecting the gritty chaos of, you know, Bangkok and Thailand. And then they go, um, oh, this is not the gritty Asia I was sold to. I just see a McDonald's there, therefore no culture. So that's the kind of, um, you know, limited lens through which a lot of folks, you know, see Singapore. And see, that, that's, that's what annoys me about some of these folks. Um, the reason why they come to Singapore is because they heard it is Asia-like. Like, it's easier yeah. to get into. And then they come here and like, oh my God, it's too easy, you know? I'm not experiencing <laughs> Asia. Like, <laughs> make up your mind, right? <laughs> I feel like the more, the more, the bigger question actually is asking Singaporean what the culture is than asking foreigners. Because I think yeah. a lot of Singaporeans, they might not even be able to answer the question. It's like, huh? Huh? And I think a lot of them will, they will say food. Yeah. But it's more, uh, the understanding of culture is a lot more than just food, right? Well, um, Shenvang, I mean, I would food is like one to. Of the pillars. Oh, it is, but it is. And I think it's a really. Food, yeah. yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Shenvang, but I think it's also a very big pillar. It's a big, fat, solid pillar. Um, I think, you know, as the old adage goes, you know, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And, you know, I think that would apply to anyone, really. It's like, it's one of the easiest ways to get to know a country's culture. And there's something about sharing food, you know, that allows for you know, communication and community, you know, people tend to have more intimate and vulnerable conversations over food um, or drinks, you know, however you want to, you know, go about it. Um, so I think, yeah, th there is some credence to, you know, using food as a cultural totem. Um, of course, there has to be others, but, you know, I, I wouldn't discount that as being not enough. 
I'd agree. I think it's like one of the biggest things of travel, right? The first thing you want to do when you go to a new country, I do anyway, is I want to try the food. Um, I want to know the best place to go to get like the most, like the best meal or whatever they have within that country, just to kind of see what they're talking about and to under and kind of experience what other people who are in the country experience probably every, every day, but I would never have the opportunity to. So yeah, I think food's a huge part of it. But to your point, there needs to be more as well, of course, than just beyond food. Like, and there is, I feel like there's a lot of culture here. Just get out of your, the CBD area, which is a bit, you know, it's beautiful, but it hasn't been here for very long. So go into the other areas, like, you know, um, anywhere, West coast, East coast, like there's so many East coast represent. to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm West coast. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking you on my last Facebook post. <laughs> on, east, on people in the east going oh you know oh, the whole of, whole, I saw that. good it's like the whole of singapore takes nothing and then the east coast people are like oh east coast is the best and the rest of singapore doesn't even care okay, so. <laughs> i literally sent it to my friend and she cracked up because she is in the east coast as well so yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah i don't know i see integrated yeah. the two of you yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I'm trying. So I, I will personally recommend my neighborhood, which is uh, Geelong. Um, right. and I think that is the true fusion of, you know, everything, you know, from Singapore from way back in the day to, you know, the modern trappings of, you know, a global cosmopolitan city. So if anyone were to come to Singapore, the first place that I would recommend is Geelong. Oh, definitely. I would agree. Geelong, Geelong's not in the east. It's part of central. Right now, in my mind. <laughs> southern, Southern it's Singapore. It's all right, guys. It's fine. Um, no, but yeah, back, no, that's uh, all good. Uh, yeah. Back to Shen Bang's point earlier. I actually, I actually get that. Get what you mean by saying the, the you no know, Singaporeans. We do have this sort of insecurity, I'd say, about yeah. um, culture, right? Uh, we just feel. I, I, I think it's for me personally. I think it has to deal partly with our us being a young nation, right? Just like a couple of half century old, there's that. Um, and also we have not had, we did have effective, like we did have very interesting cultural scenes post-independence or even pre-independence. Um, but due to various reasons, politics, so on and so forth, um, there was, you know, there was quite a bit of, uh, quite a lot of changes, right? And, uh, and, so I think that's part of the reason why the cultural industry or culture itself has not developed the way most of us would like it to. So yeah, I, I, I do get that. I do get that. But I think that's changing. It's growing. Um, definitely more. Uh, there are a lot more interesting people around in Singapore than I remember when I was you know, 10 years back, 15 years back. Yeah. I think also about culture, right? It's a bit hard for us to define because uh, Malaysia and Singapore has been so closely intertwined, right? Like our food is so similar. Uh, architecture can be so similar. The language, like almost everything, you know, like it's like there's a brotherhood. But then, if you were to say food, then they will say, oh, we also have the same dishes that Singapore has. You know, there's always this fight between who gets to claim what dishes. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's that's true. Uh, but I will say maybe a, a, an analogy that I could apply in this context. So I'm I'm from India, and we have similar conversations, you know, with uh, with Pakistan and Bangladesh too. So these are sister countries. Of course, we squabble over everything from you know rivers to borders to cricket, um, and you know, there's all these similar conversations about food as to where it came from, and you know. Uh, but at the same time, we also recognize that even though these are like common foods and, you know, common cultural practices and common cultural heritage, we like to think that we are somehow um, kind of owners in part of all of these things. So it's not necessarily exclusive, but we can carve out a space that's our own. So, um, um all right. Um, okay, so I think we did, you know, cover a lot of ground around, you know, what integration means, uh, you know, how integration is perceived, um, and the general, you know, situation in Singapore right now. We also talked about, you know, advice that, you know, we'd give to a foreigner if we were to move to Singapore. And perhaps this is where I should probably talk, give my advice. Uh, anyone who's listening to this podcast, um, if you are new to Singapore, I think the key bit of advice that I would give you is to just make local friends, dude. Um, uh, I know it's so easy to get stuck in that expat bubble, and it's not even a conscious one. And um, I can I can completely understand that. It's so easy to get stuck in it. Oftentimes, you don't even recognize that you're in a bubble. But um, I would urge everyone to take the time to get out of that bubble once you recognize it and make local friends. Uh, it will make a world of a difference, and your life will be all the richer for it. So, um, here, here. I agree with that completely. Yeah. <laughs> I countersign that <laughs> as the other expat. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Melissa. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, does anyone have any last words around uh, integration or if there's anything that we would like to, um, you know, highlight? Thanks for putting this together, Rindo. I think this is really fun. Yeah, no, thanks for being part of this, guys. I mean, I had, I had a really great time. Um, and, you know, before we sign off, once again, this is the first episode of the series coming together. Uh, you can look forward to an episode every week over the next 10 weeks. Uh, we will be covering different aspects of, you know, social norms in Singapore. Uh, some fun, some not so fun, some quite controversial. So I hope you'll stick around. Um, we are available on Spotify. We are available on Apple Podcast or any podcast platform that you're part of. We are, we'll also be on YouTube. So if you want to see our pretty faces, check it out. So um, <laughs> on that note, uh, thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Suhail. Thanks, Shahrani. And thanks, Shanvan. And, you know, until the next time. Right, bye-bye. <laughs>